have a passion, hobby or expertise and want to share it with the world, why not do a podcast? The PodStation offers a wide range of packages to make this a reality, ranging from training and support for those who have no idea where to begin to podcasters who just need somewhere to host their show. With prices starting at a mere £15 per month, you can now get involved in one of the fastest growing entertainment forms in the world without all the headaches. To find out more, visit thepodstation.co.uk forward slash station dash packages. And remember, those with passion, podcast. You're listening to Johnson & Boone Solicitors Podcast exclusively on The Pod Station. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Johnson & Boone Podcast. My name's Mark. Joining me again this week, he's back from a week off, um, outrageous if you ask me. It's Rob Boom. How are you doing, Rob? I'm Mark, yeah, I'm very well. Yourself? I'm very good, thank you. Did you enjoy your week off? Yeah, I did. I had a little rest last week and, and now I'm back to pick up uh, something else of importance. Well, Gina was fantastic, by the way. I'm sure you've listened to the show, which is out now. If you weren't already aware, you can check out all the previous shows. So you can listen to Gina's one, which she did last week, about the benefits of having a whirl. Uh, we've had uh, Chris, who's talked about divorce. We've had uh, Jonathan, who's looked at um, child access, and Rob's done a whole host of topics from landlord and commercial matters. You can go to the johnsonboon.co.uk website where you'll find all of that information. Uh, you can also download the Johnson & Boone mobile app, which is free on Apple and Android stores. Uh, you will also then be able to listen to the podcast on there, plus a whole host of other features such as booking appointments seeing all of the different service types that johnson and boom do uh, news articles access to legal guard uh, which is a great product which is well worth checking out on the website as well uh, you can also subscribe we're on uh, google apple spotify all the major podcast platforms if you do subscribe it means that every time the latest show uploads then it will automatically appear on the device that you use to listen to your podcast um, of course each episode is is geared around trying to focus on one of the areas which johnson and boo specialize in and giving some tips some advice to help you avoid obstacles deal with issues and ultimately identify when it is best to get in the expert services of johnson and boo because, of course, there's only so much that you can probably do on your own. These guys spend many, many years getting qualified so they can give the expert advice on these matters. And at some point, you will find yourself in need of that help. And hopefully, these shows will give you a clear indication of when it's best to try and get that help um, so that perhaps you can work within the confines of a budget without risking yourself unnecessarily. Does that all sound right, Rob? Yeah, that's spot on, Mark. So, uh, what we're going to do today as a topic? Uh, so, today we're picking up on an, another situation which has arisen of importance because of the, the COVID-19 situation. 
So as things are slowly improving, many new issues and concerns and uncertainties are being revealed all the time. One of the issues that relates to landlords of commercial properties that have arisen is the uncertainty as to whether they should be opening the premises now or leaving them pro uh, or, or leaving them closed as the situation improves. Um, so we're going to go through what the considerations should be uh, and hopefully help them out a little bit. To put this into some sort of context for those who are listening, because people can listen to podcasts at any time, so date stamp it relatively. Uh, we're doing this in uh, early June. Uh, the COVID-19 lockdown has just started to be relaxed. So uh, at this current moment in time, businesses are allowed to open um, and people are able to go into work um, provided social distancing is maintained. We also have shops which are due to non, non-essential shops which are able to open on the 15th of June. Uh, at this moment in time, you've got things like restaurants, avenue and bars, entertainment services really that aren't yet able to open. That's probably going to be a little bit further down the line, but not in the not too distant future, one suspects. Um, so in this particular instance, I, I guess, Rob, we're looking at those businesses that have now been told they either are able to, to open up now or might fall into that non-essential shop type category which in the 15th of june are able to open yeah we are most of the relevance will uh, i mean this is aimed at assisting the landlords of commercial properties so we're, we're mainly talking about uh, facilities such as serviced offices and and there's a real concern amongst those landlords um, as to whether they should open the premises or keep them closed what liabilities might they face if they do open and things go wrong? Or what liabilities might they face if, if they leave it closed and potentially in breach of, of, of different parts of the lease? And the relevance of this show will extend beyond this particular time period because a lot of what you're going to cover is going to relate to assessments on things like social distancing, which don't look like they're going to be reversed anytime soon and are probably going to be going on at least until the end of 2020 um, and possibly even beyond. So th- th- these are things that are going to continue to be relevant. Yeah, they will. And the general principles, I mean, much of what we're talking about, we're talking about general principles of, of safety, etc. in the current situation. So I say it's aimed at landlords. It, it's relevant for any business. Brilliant. So what kind of issues what sort of uncertainties do we think um landlords in particular are going to start to feel with this reopening of or prospective reopening of a commercial premises there's going to be different um pressures on landlords at this in in this situation so you're going to have pressures whereby they're really concerned as to safety and making sure that the property is suitable uh, in terms of being opened and still being able to comply with all the government guidelines. And then there's also going to be pressures from the businesses that are in those um, facilities whereby they need to get the business going again. Um, Maybe they've struggled to work from home or they haven't been able to work from home at all because of the, the nature of business that they are. And the landlord's kind of stuck in the middle whereby they need to make sure that they are having consideration for what's best for all parties um, and also considering themselves and their own staff in the mix. And I suspect there's also a, a, a flip side to that. 
in businesses who actually might want to stay closed and are still looking for help from landlords because they don't feel they're able to open at this moment? Yeah, it, it's going to be a key decision for landlords in these situations when these properties open. Um, and as we'll go through and we'll talk about uh, today, it's just a case of how they make that decision and how they document that decision so as to protect themselves. And so is it the problems we're going to be looking at today, are these problems that are likely to be faced by all landlords or a specific type of commercial landlord? No, this is a problem for landlords of multi-let premises such as serviced offices which is the example that we've given um it's where the landlord will have control of the common parts in these instances it'd be the landlord that would decide when the property reopens and why is it that these factors that we're going to go through in a second don't affect all landlords so why is it just so the the multi-let and the serviced office guys that were particularly helping in this this show um it's specifically relevant for them because it, it's only in those instances that the landlord will be making a decision as to whether the building as a whole opens up. If the lease is for the whole demise, so they've given the whole property over to someone else, then it would be someone else who would be making that decision um, because I suppose if you break it down, they're the key holder. They're the one who's going to open the doors or not open the doors. But as we say, you know, in exactly the same breath, this would also be useful for those people Um as it gives them a summary of the things that they should be thinking about if they're if, if, if you're in the midst of opening up your own business again. So in short, if you have a commercial premises, whether you're a landlord or not, you might want to strap yourselves in because this is going to be helpful irrespective. So um, Rob, what considerations are landlords, and I will use landlords because we'll stick with this, but obviously people will quickly see the applicability across the board. What kind of considerations are they going to have to make those decisions? Landlords, or, or, or as you say, it, it's applicable for everyone, but we'll we'll use the term landlords as we go through. They need to have consideration for their duties to all people that might be potentially affected by their decision to open or to remain um, with the building closed. They'll need to consider things like the government guidance at the time, the terms of the lease. Uh, they'll have to take on board the tenant's point of view. They also need to consider things like the duties to their own employees and the duties to any third parties who might visit the building. Um, is it safe for the building to, to be reopened? So what's the layout like? Is it is it possible? Um, what insurances have they got in place? Um, and then also, you know, what is their decision likely to be seen in the wider public eye? So are they doing things properly and can they show that they're doing things properly? Ironically, we're recording this show at uh, 10 to 6 in the evening, uh, which is actually during the daily press conference that the uh, government give to provide us with updates on changes and the developments with the virus itself and it's highly likely that in the course of missing that uh, press conference there's probably a, a load of information that we've missed and changes that actually might even be relevant to this show in itself so how on earth do you keep up to speed with the guidance in order to assess those kind of condition considerations yeah, you're right. It's it's a massive task. All all landlords can do is keep as up to date as they possibly can. 
Um, they should try and read the reviews and, and catch the updates daily. Uh, but they do need to ensure they've got a thorough understanding as to what is recommended at any given time because it does update and it does change and, and things do develop. Um, they need to understand, they need to make sure that they understand. They also need to make sure that their teams and any managing agents have a good understanding if they're going to have um, any involvement in the running of the business, uh, of the premises, if it does open. Um, and they also need to make sure that they're up to date with the health and safety executives' recommendations for businesses and employers as respect to COVID-19, uh, especially if they are considering opening. Quite often when you go through these types of processes, it's important to do it in a methodical fashion. Um, it's a lot easier if you have a, a structure to your decision-making process. So where would you be suggesting that they start and how would you suggest that they go through that structure in order to make those decisions? Yeah, it's you're absolutely right. It is better if a structure is is adapted. What they're basically doing is they're performing their own risk assessment um, and, and deciding on a risk profile, a profile for the building, um, for want of a better word. So in terms of the building, they're thinking, how risky is it for the building to open and what measures are they able to put in place to ensure safety? Um, so in terms of deciding that, they'll be looking at how many people use the building, what is the layout like? You know, is it narrow, windy corridors or is it a big, wide open space? Um, and, and really importantly, have there been any reported cases in any part of the premises? Have any of the, the businesses that um, will or may have been using part of it already? Um, have, have there been any reported cases amongst any people who've been in the building or been involved in the building recently? Um, in terms of the second consideration will then be what is the building used for? So it, obviously if it's, if it's for a type of business which has to remain closed, then there's no reason for it to be opened at the moment because those businesses shouldn't have returned. Um, and I suppose really there that's going to be unusual for the problem at the moment that landlords have got, but it, as it, it's just a sort of for the sake of completeness. Um, is, is it such that, um, for example, a call centre, you know, a call centre is a situation whereby there's lots and lots of people in a tight space. Often there's hot desking where people are using desks after each other um, in back-to-back shifts. They need to consider what sort of measures they're going to put in place to ensure that that's a safe environment if they are going to let that building reopen. Um, what extra precautions should they be thinking about then? Um, it would be things like additional cleaning. So is it possible for additional cleaning to take place maybe at various stages of the day? If we go back to our example about um, the types of business that may be hot desk, is it possible for cleaning to take place in between shifts? Um, there should be sanitising stations where people can obviously disinfect their hands on the way in and out and at various places around the building. Is it possible to have screens up? So if people you know, have to sit within two metres of each other, is it possible to section themselves off with maybe plastic screens or glass screening of some sort? Um, does the layout of the building allow them to adapt where people sit? Or is it is it a case of it, it's fixed and they can only stay in the, stay in the same place? Um, is it possible, for example, to mark out 
um, the two meter guidelines on flooring. So as people are moving around the buildings, we're all familiar now with the way in which all the shops have been laid out. Um, everything's marked out in two meter grids. Is that something else that they can do? For example, if, if a lot of people have to move around the building or if it's a place where a lot of public go uh, because of the nature of the business. Um, and also things like, are there any additional signage that's needed? Just so you're reminding people of, of, of what they've got to do. Um, and maybe to mark out if you're going to implement a one-way system, for example, around a building. Check out award-winning Johnson & Boone Solicitor's unique product, Legal Guard. Ideal for businesses and individuals, Legal Guard ensures you get the legal help you need when you need it. Packages start from just £24 a month and include free expert advice, access to a library of legal documents, as well as exclusive discounts on a range of services. For more information, visit johnsonandboone.co.uk forward slash legal guard and quote the code VEDSHESH. It's now impossible for us to be specific about these things. In a serviced office, you might actually have some businesses that are allowed to open now and others that actually aren't. So it, it's very much a case of landlords have to try and make a decision based on their subjective circumstance. Um, how can they protect themselves to show that they've been through these processes and that you've given the proper considerations? You're absolutely right. It's, it's a really difficult decision and there is no definitive answer. So you've got an individual here who's going to be making the decision. Um, in terms of protecting themselves, it, it's all about making sure that they're doing what they possibly can and record it. So they need to follow as closely as they possibly can the government guidelines and then they need to keep written records of their decisions, the approach that they have taken, um, any change that they've made so as to, to implement a greater level of safety. Um, they should also ensure that there's open and honest communication with the tenants um, and take their views on issues as, as they go. Um, and again, they should keep good records of the communications um, just so as they can show that they've used everything they possibly can when making the right decision. Now, everybody sets out with best endeavours and best intentions quite often at some point when circumstances don't suit both parties they fall out so tenants will invariably have disagreements with their landlords because they don't agree with the approaches that have been taken um <laughs> you often hear the phrase where there's blame there's a claim do we think that there are going to be tenants who try and make claims against landlords in the future if they keep the premises closed or or do decide to impose restrictions on how it can be used? It is possible. Um, if, if a landlord chooses to keep the premises short um, or if they put restrictions in place that are severe enough to have a material impact on a tenant's use, they could potentially face allegations that there's been a breach of their quiet enjoyment. Um, but it would have to be assessed on a case-by-case -case basis. So if they feel they're in that position, they need to take advice nice and early. And I get, I guess that's something you could help them with. Yeah, it is. I mean, what what they need to show is that imposing the restrictions or remaining closed um, was the right thing 
the two have done. Um, again, we go back to the record keeping, so we'll be showing their analysis. Um, and we'll also have to look at the terms of the lease as well and see what was uh, permitted and whether it's, it's problematic for them in the given situation. And it is very much worth bearing these things in mind. Tenants will have, well, everybody, I, I've come across many people over the last few months, obviously, uh, either uh, digitally online or from social distancing, um, who have very different opinions and beliefs on the level of risk and how it's likely to impact them. And it's not unrealistic to think you will have tenants who will have different approaches different beliefs on how high the risks are different opinions on whether or not landlords have been overly cautious and therefore restrictive etc so it is worth um getting that sort of advice isn't it to to see and 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 of course understanding the terms of your lease and whether or not the the, the terms allow or provide any cover um in those situations yeah there's going to be lots and lots of different situations that landlords are going to be faced with i mean at the, at the opposite ends of extreme you're talking about service offices so they can often be really small businesses in those offices and it might even be for example you know that a, a business is run by one household so it might be a husband and wife run a business and they've actually been in lockdown together they're not sort of public facing and they want to go back and get back to the premises and, and stop working from home. At the other extreme, you do have quite large businesses that are in the same premises and they might have lots and lots of staff or they might be really quite public facing whereby they use the meeting rooms a lot for people to come in and out and there'll be a completely different risk factor to both. The landlords have a really difficult decision and all they can do is take what they do know about the premises and what they do know about the businesses that are within the premises, make sure they're following the guidelines, make sure they're recording what decisions they're making and, and then make what decision they feel is best. Um, if they really are unsure on anything or if they're unsure in terms of what the lease allows them to do, then, yeah, they need to get legal advice before they do anything at all. What specific provisions do you tend to find in uh, leases that uh, might cause the landlord to have to uh, look at these things? Leases are, are really varying depending upon what has, has been agreed. So there's there's lots and lots of provisions that might be relevant. Some leases will contain provisions that oblige landlords to use reasonable endeavours um, in, in, in relation to good estate management and the provision of the property and the services. Um, and then you're going to come into arguments as to whether that can be limited in the current situation because of health and safety, etc. Um, often leases will also contain um, sort of carve-out provisions on liability. Um, if, for example, the landlord is unable to provide the property for a variety of reasons, the, the situation at the moment is that nobody ever expected, you know, a, a global pandemic. So leases are very unlikely to specifically record what should happen in this exact situation and therefore there's going to be a bit of interpretation as to what what should happen most of the time leases are fairly complicated leases are normally drafted in um, not not very user-friendly language 
Um, and therefore, rather than trying to interpret any of those things themselves, they're much better getting legal advice as to what it actually says, um, because it might not assist either party and they're back to just performing their risk assessment. Going the other, going to the complete 180 of what we've just described, because we've been talking about landlords who have been looking to um, keep it closed or have created restrictions on being able to open. What about the risks for facing some kind of uh, claims or, or comeback uh, if you don't impose restrictions on how the building can be used or if you do reopen and perhaps people don't feel like it's appropriate? Yeah, it's it's a double-edged sword. So your assessment is really important. Um, on the opposite side, as you say, if, if landlords just take the view open the building without any sort of risk assessment, they need to be reminded that under the Occupiers Liability Act, they owe a duty to take such care as is reasonable in the circumstances to keep visitors to the common parts safe um, or reasonably safe, I think is the word, in, in terms of their own employees, so anyone who's involved in the management of, of the property. Um, they'll also have obligations to them if they're visiting the property for whatever reason or perhaps it's one of those businesses where there's a, a receptionist or, or someone that is on hand all the time that is employed by the landlord. Um, and they also have to think about their insurances as well. So, you know, there'll normally be a requirement for them to have conducted a risk assessment and to make sure that the, the property is, is safe to be occupied. Um, so they do need to do it properly. There you've mentioned common areas uh, what about other areas of the building? Does it apply to all of the building that belongs to the landlord? No, so, I, I mean, obviously, often it will all be involved in the same package, so the building's either open or it isn't. But in terms of the landlord's responsibilities, they're only responsible um, for the areas that are in their control. So any part of the building that's been demised to the tenants for example, they won't have to lay out what would happen with um, social distancing requirements, the laying out of signs and et cetera. They'll need to make a decision whether the building as a whole opens and they'll have to have special consideration for all of the common parts or anything that, that doesn't fall within the demise. Um, but the tenants themselves will then also have to perform the same or similar um, evaluations as to how they're going to keep their own staff safe um, within their own areas. And what happens, and obviously, God forbid this does happen, touch wood, uh, what happens if people do contract the virus and there's a suggestion that it was on the premises? Could there be some sort of comeback against the landlord there? And I guess that, that question's twofold. First is obviously in the situation where you've got the uh, multiple let uh, or the serviced office type environment and the second is of course the one where there may be the full premises has been leased to a tenant and they are largely responsible for that building yeah it's unlikely that a claim for contracting the virus would be successful against a landlord because um, i think a claim would find it nearly impossible to prove exactly where they caught the disease from um and if a landlord's able to argue in their defence that they took all reasonable care when putting things in place and that they've observed the government guidance, then I think it will be quite difficult for a claimant 
to get home on 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 that claim. Um, but in the wider picture, you know, if if they haven't taken all the proper steps, um, it, it's the reputational damage that it's going to cause. If then they're trying to sidestep, um, a, a, you know, a claim at a later date. So would they get home on a claim? Probably not. Um, but would they want to take the risk by not following all the guidance? Absolutely not. There's a quite a large cost element to this. All these changes, all of these assessments, presumably getting some advice from experts, is all going to come at a cost to the landlord. Is there any way in which this can be offset or clawed back? What is the scope for them, or do they just have to take the hit on this? It's going to be a case-by-case basis but it's highly probable that they can recover these amounts from the service charges um so again it's something they'd need to take advice on and we'd need to see the actual word and the lease uh but the likelihood is we expect a lot of these um additional costs will be able to be passed on through the service charges wow well we've covered quite a lot there perhaps it would be of benefit to just recap and summarize the top five tips that you might have for people to go through this process and make the assessments um and then and then obviously hopefully they can go away and do that or if they get stuck give you a shout yeah no problem mark i I think in in terms of the the top five things that we'd we'd recap on we'd say that landlords need to keep fully up to date with the government guidance um ideally daily when they're making the decision in relation to the property, they need to perform a full risk assessment. Um, they need to make sure that they are consulting with the tenants and they're in constant communication as to how they're reaching the decisions that they're reaching. They need to make sure that they're implementing all health and safety measures um, that they see fit. Um, and a, a big one and a final one is they have to keep written records of all of their decisions and how they've reached those decisions. It's very much relevant. The first show we did about uh, the COVID-19 was very much geared around communication, wasn't it? Talking to the people you're dealing with, explaining what you're doing, explaining what the challenges are that you are facing, inviting them to, to come up with ideas and solutions that might suit both parties and then trying to reach a compromise. It very much feels like that's kind of still very relevant now even three months down the line and in slightly different circumstances yeah you're right it, it seems that every time we address something that is related to covid and, and the effects that everyone has faced that, that what we're basically saying is be sensible and communicate um and record what you're doing um the general principles but um, you're absolutely right. It's it's because everyone keeps using the phrase, don't they? But it, it is unprecedented times. So when we can't look back in in terms of what's happened in other situations when we've when the same thing has happened. Um, you know, as as lawyers, we often look back on previous cases, on previous decisions, what's happened at different times. But there's nothing we can look back on. This is all new, um, and I'm sure it will be referred to in in the future. But um, you're absolutely right. It is all about negotiation, cooperation and recording things properly. 
But if all that else fails, Rob, how can they get hold of you guys to get the help that they need? Yeah, we're happy to speak to anyone on any of these issues through all the normal channels. So they can obviously call the office, um, 0151-637-2034. They can drop us an email at info at johnsonandburn.co.uk. They can look us up on all the major social media platforms. Uh, They can book an appointment via our app um, and just can drop an appointment slot straight into one of our solicitor's diaries. Uh, They can drop us a message via our website. Um, So they can get in contact in a, in a whole range of ways. We are all in operation. All of our, our team are, are working um, and we do have appointment slots available. And we should also mention as well uh, that uh, there is still the uh, COVID-19 business guide that you uh, put together, which is still available for people. If you go to the Johnson & Boone uh, website and on the help and advice tab, uh, you will see the COVID-19 business guide. It's free to download. All you need to do is just provide a little bit of information for us, uh, and then you can download it absolutely free. It's got loads of useful information in there, which is probably very relevant now that businesses are being given a little bit of leeway to get themselves up and trucking again. Yeah, absolutely. And over the next few weeks, we are going to um, be releasing some further information and, and articles, etc., on all things that are, are relevant to what is a developing situation. So if you have downloaded that guide and subscribed, you'll automatically get the next ones as well. Um, so you can keep yourself nice and up to date. Double bubble. Sounds good to me. Right, uh, what what are we going to be doing uh, next week, Rob? Will I have the pleasure of your company or will one of the other guy uh, be joining me? Next week uh, um, is the return of Chris Johnson. So a couple of weeks ago we did um, a, a divorce podcast in which he was talking about all the issues in divorce. The opposite side of divorce is obviously the finances um, and we kept them separate for a reason because they are a, a completely distinct um, issue that is sometimes dealt with and and sometimes not depending upon the individuals so chris is going to come back and he's he's going to do a podcast on on the financial elements um and then that completes the divorce um as a subject area fantastic well i look forward very much to it rob thank you very much for your help as always it's been uh, another fascinating show it's going to be very interesting to see where this takes us Thanks very much, Mark. Get social at Johnson & Boone on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.